Hello, and welcome to The Cosmic Circle, your friendly neighborhood podcast about fantasy, science fiction, and superhero entertainment. I'm Isla Ruby, and I'm here with some phenomenal people. Um, I'm here with Anthony Flagg and Alex of, you know, of our site. So you want to say hi, guys? Absolutely. Hi, Howdy. everybody. It's Anthony Flagg. I literally just watched the movie and ended it an hour and a half ago. I'm so ready to talk about it. Uh, hi, I'm Alex. I saw the movie uh, yesterday, and I saw it during a press release earlier this week. And yeah, likewise, I'm I'm ready to blow people's minds. And the movie we're talking about today is Ant Man, and you know, we're going to be talking Ant Man spoilers. There's going to be theories. There's going to be a lot of stuff going on. So if you haven't seen the movie yet, stop listening. Go to your proceed to your nearest movie theater and watch the movie, and then come back and listen. And watch it in 3D. Um, yeah, so I can't wait to hear your perspective on that. I think you're the only one of us who watched it in 3D. Um, yep. Yeah, I've seen it in 3D. Yeah, I imagine, you know, the the world looked very different for seeing it in 3D. Um, so I, I want to talk to you about that. But um, first, let's get your first impressions. Um, Alex, do you want to kick things off? All right, so out of the three of us, I think I'm the person who enjoyed Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania the most. The thing is, to me, I kind of, I, I, at the same time as the way I say it, I, I, I associate it with me being the Kang of this particular trio in this recording conversation because I see things in a much more advanced scope in terms of how it sets up future projects and how this is going to affect the MCU. And it made me much more excited than it originally was. But as a solo story as well, personally, out of the three films that we've had of Ant-Man so far, to me, this is so far my favorite. It talks about the multiverse. It has sci-fi elements. It had the quantum realm. It had essentially a lot of stuff that I found enjoyable personally, though there are some things that I particularly did not necessarily enjoy as much as I thought I would or things that I feel could be improved possibly with time, you know, but but it, overall, I found it it was a it was an entertaining movie with a good amount of potential and teasing lots of things to come. And uh, since my thoughts are still pretty fresh, what I can say was, I don't understand some of the complaints about the visuals. Yes, you can kind of notice the volume on a very few shots, but overall, it did look good. Like at least for the aesthetic and the visual effects that were in the quantum realm, it really made you feel like you were in that smaller scale, completely different world than anything we've seen in Marvel before. Uh, the story, I felt like it was a little bit, you know, cut by the number or colored by the numbers, I should say. So it wasn't my favorite, but I still found this film a lot more enjoyable than Ant-Man and the Wasp. And Kang was, was excellent. Not as terrifying as I felt he was going to be from the get-go, but I was very impressed by the technology, the little, just the minor things that he could do just from getting the battle suit. So it made me think about what he could do at his full potential were he able to escape the quantum realm. So I, you know, I think, you know, in our Discord chats and, and just our chats about it so far, I think I'm the person who, you know, maybe is a little bit the most sour on this movie. Um, I enjoyed it. 
I like weird things. I also, um, I thought this movie was really weird and I had no problem with that. I thought I, I tend to like everything. Like I, I like secret headquarters. I like all sorts of weird things. And this movie just really bothered me um, on a storytelling level. And I'll get to that in a second. But I thought I thought the visuals were great. I don't understand the complaints about that. I didn't really notice the volume any more than um, like you see green screen and, and other TV shows and stuff. It didn't bother me. It's just, you know, you, you got to do what you got to do. I thought, um, I, I think that comparisons to it being Marvel's Star Wars were, were accurate. And, you know, that can be both good and bad. Um, and again, the storytelling really bothered me. And I think, first of all, we didn't get that character, um, that character development that I think the Ant-Man movies have given us before that I really loved. You know, there was those hints of the relationships and they were supposedly, um, you know, the father-daughter relationship supposedly were like underpinning this movie, but, you know, it was very hollow. It was on the surface. Um, I, the stuff I most enjoyed was the stuff where they were on earth where they were you know doing their family dinner where they were bailing um cassie out of jail i thought all of that was really solid and then we got to the quantum quantum realm and you know it was just super disappointing everything that happened from there for me um i also was really bothered by what they did to janet in this and i think they like they did her dirty but we can talk about that later <laughs> um okay. so you know, we, we talked general impressions and I kind of want to know what you guys liked most of all, what, you know, really stood out for you, what was the best for you, um, what you were most impressed by. Who wants to start first? <laughs> How about you, Alex? <laughs> all right. Well, for me, what stood out the most, definitely Kang the Conquer, 100% one of the best things about this entire movie. And honestly, I'm kind of breaking my own rule because I keep calling him Kang the Conqueror. He is not Kang the Conqueror. He is just Kang, period. And not even Kang. He's Nathaniel. But we're going to get to that later on when, <laughs> when, when we discuss that. Uh, personally, I loved, I, and, and this might sound, some people might agree with me. Some people might not. I loved how sci, how Star Wars it was. I love how it was essentially like you you could feel it was very much like a new hope in some moments. Like you were looking at it and I'm like, Bro, this is this is a new hope, but in Marvel, it was most <laughs> Eisley. It, it was it was most Eisley at some point. You had the cantina scene when when Kang's about ready to launch, and the rebels go to fight the Empire. <laughs> it was essentially Star Wars, and I was like, I was giddy because I'm like, well, damn, this is this is very much Star Wars, and it's and it's Marvel, and I'm like, it's it's such an amazing ripoff. <laughs> that it, it was so it was so much of a rip off rip off that was like you know what i i appreciated it and i liked it but i liked how at the same time they were like delving into the multiverse and there were concepts that they introduced that made me happy that will eventually play on play later on for other projects that that also made me happy and i know not a lot of people are going to talk about this but christoph beck during like the score hundred percent king that is like the score for quantum mania was incredible i love how he just elevates himself every time with the theme and like he builds on each theme and made it he, he made it this time so much more impactful 
with much more sci-fi tones that I kind of remember that reminded me of like Natalie Holt in Loki and like adding in those sci-fi undertones with like the very powerful Ant-Man bumping theme. It was like, I I really enjoyed that. So those were like the top picks for me so far. Uh, and, And yeah. That's funny you say that because there were times where I thought the main theme sounded like that of WandaVision. So mm-hmm. just to go, just to show yeah. how, how a variety it is for both ears and people, I really got like some later WandaVision theme feelings. Go ahead. Well, you had something? No, you did. And you were right. And the thing is, like, apart from the fact that Christoph Beck did compose the WandaVision score, he did use it in the, he used it in the quantum, to nexus scene i believe the song's called quantum nexus and i know that they tried to change it and they're like it's a probability storm yeah but christoph beck gave, gave you away it's called the quantum nexus and you and it was it was the the end credits theme from wandavision like it was the the exact yep. same composition and array and it's weird because like he's done this before where he's alluded to themes of other projects like in wandavision when he was doing the when he was doing the score, literally the last, uh, the last song of Wandavision that plays in the post-credits scene of the last episode is like a very sinister Doctor Strange theme, that was like a, a slow, sinister version of the Doctor Strange theme, and then now, like in Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania, you have this triumphant esque version of, uh, of the of like the of Wanda of the WandaVision theme that kind of reminded me of when Wanda finally accepts her fate as like the Scarlet Witch. And I'm like, this is a key defining moment in the universe. The same thing goes when, when Scott is like doing this to the quantum nexus. It's like, yeah, I kind of get why he had, why the themes were similar, but, but yeah, I just wanted to get that out there. No, of course. Appreciate the input. Um, if you look in our group chat, you'll see I posted a picture of Luke Skywalker and Empire Strikes Back. And tell me, does that not look like Hope when she's given that outfit <laughs> by her mom? Because <laughs> all I was thinking, I'm like, oh, you're going to go fight the Bro, AT&T. it was the exact That's same so outfit. Cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just like, re- I, like red accents. But I was like, that looks like a Star Wars outfit, like 100%. Like it was it like was. part Tuscan Raider, part Hoth. When, ha- when Hank, Hope, and Janet go to the desert... Were those not quantum Tuscan Raiders? Mm-hmm. Quantum Raiders, absolutely. Yes. And they were even walking in a single file line. Yep. <laughs> I was like, well, damn, they're just like including that, aren't they? Everything is canon now. Star Wars is now canon in the Marvel universe. But it as is, Alex though. was saying, I mean, literally. Feel, yeah. Well, I, what I'm waiting for is that moment when they realize that you know, Samuel Jackson is Mace Windu and everyone's just going to get really confused. That's what I'm waiting on. They'll be like, oh yeah, that's what Talos was doing. He was over there acting in Hollywood while I was over here actually running S.H.I.E.L.D. or vice versa, you know. It's it's hilarious though, because like there's films reference each other often and it's hilarious because there's actors in those movies from those universes that you think to yourself, if you've seen this movie, you'd recognize this actor then. Because like get Tom Holland and Peter Parker in 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 Captain America Civil War. Do you guys remember that episode that movie from Star Wars when they're on Hoth and they're ta- and they're tangling the walkie thingies? And I was like, 
that's a, that they're referencing Empire Strikes Back, which means Star Wars was canon in the in the MCU. And then, like, I just remembered as well, like the Shazam movie that she, that he goes, I've seen all the Fast and the Furious movies talking to the uh, to Helen Mirren, who is in the Fast and the Furious movie. <laughs> you'd think you'd realize by now. But... Hey, also think about it. This universe also, also has a Superman because, you know, Eternals. Not so. just Superman, but Batman too. They've they've referenced DC characters before, and I'm like, oh my god. Do you, so do you it, think that they have the, the regular Justice League or the Zack Snyder or a different one? Oh, that's gonna start a thing. I, those are the hard hitting questions. <laughs> that's gonna be see. That's gonna be a, a discussion for another day because we'll be here for like another hour. So uh, but there, let's, let's deleted, come back to Quantum Mania. There, but there's there's a deleted scene somewhere where they're discussing the best Batman and the best you know cut of the movies somewhere. Some of the Avengers, maybe over shawarma. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so you know, I, I love what you guys shared, especially about the you know Christopher Beck's or Christoph Beck's um, score. And you know, I want to point to three things that I really enjoyed. I again, two of my things are family relationships and are just character relationships. I loved that family dinner scene um, or the family meeting. I thought, you know, this is great. I love this. Um, I also loved, um, and this isn't. I loved where um, Kang and Janet, you know, were kind of commiserating over what they were doing with the, um, you know, trying to recharge that that quantum like battery type thing, and you know, kind of, yeah, exactly, and and kind of just I thought that was a really nice scene and that really um, worked well with them. And I have to mention the Infinite Ant Man's because that was just really weird and fantastic. And the Baskin Robbins Ant Man was just hilarious. So that was funny. Um, so, you know, we've talked about what we liked. Is there anything that didn't rub you guys right in the movie that you didn't like? How Stop they my... nerfed Janet. <laughs> How they nerfed Janet. Like, listen, the, mm -hmm. like the way they built up Janet in this entire project as, like, do you have any idea how many people? people you've murdered it's like holy shit the idea of janet van dyne being the villain in this like mm -hmm. holy shit and then like additionally I, okay there's one thing i did want to mention that i know like not a lot of people know and i'm gonna and i'm gonna mention something that was in development for a very long time and they cut it out at the last minute and that was that uh and you didn't like that they that cut they, it out right that they cut it out and it was yeah it was gonna be something extremely minor but and, and and I understand why they cut it out because it really wouldn't have made sense for him to have it. But in the scene when uh, do you remember when the ants are like attacking the citadel and they're all attacking and then all of a sudden you see Hank walking down as Kang looks to him and he's like, "Oh, okay, so how you doing?" And and like he and Hank is walking down and he's like uniformed and crap. In the original, and and for like the long, and I think they filmed it too. I have to ask him, but I, but it was in the concept for so long, and they put it in previews and all this crap. Hank was in the, in his Ant Man suit, and we were gonna see the original Ant Man there on the fullest of screens there in like embodiment, and then like helmet reveal in its Hank, and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> and we were gonna have that moment of Hank in the suit, and we didn't get it. And I was just like, ah. Oh. 
<laughs> you missed the opportunity. You had Janet in her suit, but you didn't put Hank. It's like, oh, God. It was going to be so badass. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, I get it. I kind of get why they didn't do it. Because honestly, why would Hank have his suit? But why wouldn't <laughs> not only he? That, I mean, like, Cassie had one. Scott had his. Why Cassie. not? Why not? Well, yeah, Hank. Hank had a lot of gear too, right? I, he in the previous movies that was always his thing. He had lots of stuff like toys that could do things, and he like didn't have them here. And I thought that was kind of sad. And to be fair, though. though, they were kind of on vacation. He was literally like wearing a plaid shirt. He looked like my dad going on going on, on a fucking Sunday walk. Like he, he did not. Him and Janet did not plan to go to the quantum realm that day. Okay, they literally just got zapped there, and they were like, "Well, this is an inconvenience." Besides, they, besides their suits are different because like Scott and Scott and Hope and and Cassie, they have nanotech suits now. But yeah. like their suits were full on, you know, leather outfits. They don't change with like the, they don't change into nanotechnology. That you have to go and put that crap on, and that's, <laughs> and, and, and 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 as a person with experience putting on costumes, that takes a while. That takes. <laughs> I was gonna say, tell tell me your cosplay stories that relate to this. <laughs> then 20, 20 to 30 minutes of just trying to put something on but anyways <laughs> but that was that was something i wanted to get off my chest it's just like we we almost had hank in the ant-man outfit and and the thing was it was gonna make sense because kang himself was gonna recognize hank like that was the thing they were gonna do they were gonna recognize hank as the original ant-man that he's faced before but we're going to get to that eventually later on. And, I'm, and it's going to be a very big discussion about how the multiverse is going to play out later on. And that's going to that's going to be the spoiler of the day from me for like this podcast. But we're going to we're going to get to that <laughs> later on. The first of many. But it sounds like it would have been a moment that um, is similar to what we saw in Spider-Man with Spider-Man and Doc Ock. Red, how about you? What you know, what didn't you like? Um, maybe just like the cuts between the the back and forth i mean i understand they have to separate the family but like i felt like that already kind of happened it happened in the first ant-man a little bit it happened in the second ant-man a little bit where they were kind of operating like here's you know hank and hope and but this one this time is hank and janet and then at the same time you know scott just got stuck with his daughter no wasp but i understand for the sake of the story that's what we were doing here yeah and i'm gonna echo I go Alex a little bit here that with Janet, um, I really, what they did to her really upset me because, so she's been in the quantum realm. She knows how supposedly how horrible uh, Kang is and the guy that she's faced. Um, she didn't warn, you know, her family at all. And that seems really shitty. And I think she totally would have warned them or, you know, she would have maybe had, there would have been some, um, like some, something bugging her about it. Like, because Although Kang, you know, she was out of there, Kang still existed down there. Like it, it was still a potential threat. So I kind of, um, I just think that they totally ruined that with her. We talked a lot about in the pre-show about Kang and we talked a lot about, um, you know, theories about him and what, what really happened with him. And I'm going to kind of throw this to Alex and, you know, see if what you thought about Kang in this movie and what you, you know, or did they accomplish what they needed to do with him? I know a lot of people did not like what they did with Kang, mainly because people are like, but he's Kang. 
he's killed Avengers before. He's killed Thor and and, and all these characters. And 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 how can how can a guy with ants have beaten him? And that's that's the point of the story. And they didn't explain it because it was it, like if they would have just added that one bit, I feel like it people would have understood what was going on. But I'm and and I'm probably gonna explain. I'm, I'll probably explain it now. Screw it. I'll explain it now since we're on the topic. <laughs> we're on Kang. Kang the Conqueror does not exist yet. Let me explain what I mean by that. So when we're watching this movie, he drops a lot of hints. First and foremost, the fact that when when he activates the machine, the first and Janet sees into his head, the first thing he says. When she asks, who is Kang? It, his response is, who I'm meant to be, right? It's not, he doesn't say it's who I am, it's who I was, it's who I'm meant to be, or something along those lines. But I know it's a, it's a sentence that's meant to play into future tense, right? And he explains this as time goes on, like in the movie, uh, he's going to be going around and he's like uh, explaining how time isn't, lineal for him it's not linear he's he's saying it's hard to skip to the end when you know what i know and he knows the thing is he knows all of the possibilities that play out all of the things that are going to play out everything that's going to happen and and every single possibility that can happen would happen will ever happen he knows and that's why janet saw what she saw Everyone is under the pretense that everything that has happened so far is something that Kang has done. And it's possible that he has done it. The thing is, he hasn't done this yet. Mm -hmm. This is not mm -hmm. Kang the Conqueror. This is literally Nathaniel, Nathan, whatever, whatever anyone wants to call him. This is Nathan before we get into the whole Kang the Conqueror dilemma or whatever he wants to be now. Uh, but this is a Kang that has not been fully developed yet. And the reason why uh, this movie had to happen, a lot of, they're not going to talk about this. No one's going to mention this yet, but I need to mention it now. There was a reason why Ant-Man had to be the one to be, to introduce Kang. I'm doing air quotes here. No one can see it, but I'm doing air quotes. Introduce <laughs> Kang. And the reason why is, if it was anyone else, we would be stuck in a loop. And I'm going to explain why. So there's this theory running around that the MCU is essentially a loop. Explanation. Multiverse exists. Big Bang, multiverse exists. Time goes on up until the 31st century. Nathan is born. Nathan discovers the timelines, discovers the multiverse. All the variants find out about each other. Full-on multiversal war. He who remains disintegrates the timeline we already know this from loki then uh the time the timeline is singular and it becomes the sacred timeline which then eventually transforms into what would become the multiverse again when it breaks out here's the thing when he says they all blur after a while he means that literally because he's faced every possible version of an avenger that has led him to go into this multiversal war, multiversal shtick that kind of begins the loop. And every single one has failed. Thor, 
Captain America, Iron Man, all of these things, they've all faced him before. And it's confusing because at the same time, Nathaniel has not fought any of these people in at this point. But yes, he has at the same time. It's very confusing. Time is very confusing. I feel like the doctor trying to explain time. But anyway, uh, when... Which one, Doc uh, Brown the, or just the doctor? The, uh, yeah, all of them. I feel. I feel like David Tennant <laughs> just just spazzing about, and then like, and, and at the same time, just Peter Capaldi trying to explain the bootstrap paradox, and it's just like. But anyway, like the point of the matter is the the important thing that I need people to know is Ant Man needed to be the one to be uh to to face Kang, because Kang has never fought Ant Man before, and 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 they don't explain it in the movie. But Ant-Man is literally key to what's going to happen later on down the road because it's going to be what breaks the infinite loop that the MCU has had so far. Right now, there's been an infinite loop of times where Kang has gotten out, has been pushed into the quantum realm, multiversal war, all this entire thing. It's a loop. And it's been looped, and it's there's been different characters. It's been strange. It's been swords. It's the, it's the thing that's been going on, except Ant-Man is different. Why is Ant-Man different? Because Ant-Man, as you saw, Ant-Man had so many different probabilities that could have altered the way this could have gone. So man, so much so that it was kind of nearly impossible for Kang to figure out what it was the way to do it. And the thing is, Scott Lang, for as predictable as he is, is at the same time unpredictable to Kang. Kang didn't know how it was going to play out. Kang well, didn't know that, like, all right, Scott was going to do this, and it, it and it was going to be it was going to be something very dramatic, and um, and and it's essentially what's going to happen is right now the chain of events that are going to happen from Quantum Mania down here all the way down until Secret Wars is what's going to break this loop of the multiverse and essentially put an end to the multiversal loop that is currently happening in the MCU, which I hope will like, they will explain it better than I have so far. <laughs> but at least this is kind of like the way that I see it, the way that it's been explained to me before. And I hope that they explain it much better than I did down the road. What bumps me with that a little bit is, so, you know, Ant-Man has infinite possibilities, but presumably every other Avenger has infinite possibilities as well. We saw, um, we saw Hope, you know, not look at the versions of herself and as she came in to, to save Ant-Man. Um, so I still, I, like, I, I want to understand why Ant-Man is so special because, you know, theoretically all the other Avengers also have their, their probabilities. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that as time goes on. Yeah. They'll pro and they definitely will explain it down the road and it's going to be something that's, it's going to be something that's going to be very important. And I may, may possibly drop, uh, if we talk about it later on again, and they ask us a question and it leads into Avengers Kang Dynasty. I may I may talk about something that's gonna happen down the road. But for now, what I'm gonna say is that in terms of how the multiverse is multiverse saga is gonna play out, one of the key figures that is going to have a storyline that's gonna be important in Kang Dynasty is gonna be the 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 Langs and the Pan and the Pim Van Dynes, specifically Janet Van Dyne, because I can assure you that every single version of Kang is particularly pissed with Scott. They're particularly pissed with all of these people. But 
most of all, the person they're going to be pissed off the most is that Janet Van Dyne. And I'm going to spoil it right here. Screw it. I'll spoil it right here. Personal discussion. No idea if it's going to play out yet because it is extremely early. I would not be surprised if Janet Van Dyne is killed in Avengers The Kang Dynasty. Since Hope is the one that, like, all of the Kang variants are going to be angry at at Hope. Mainly because Hope was the one that killed, you know. Not necessarily killed. Kang's fate. No, no, here's the thing. They're angry at Janet, but they're more angry at Hope. You being a mother. Killing blow. She did the killing blow to Nat to Nathan, who is not necessarily dead. I'll explain that later. But Let's... every Kang variant is going to be particularly angry at Hope. And what they're going to do, what's going to end up happening is they're going to try to kill Hope. And in the process, instead of killing Hope, Janet's going to be the one that's going to take the blow. Because this is going to be the, it's going to be the culmination of Janet's story. Janet's entire story has been she wants to get home back to her family she wants to get back home to be with hope and she wants to be the person that you know protects her from everything that's going to happen but with the entire story the relationship with nathaniel and and janet i could see janet kicking the boat in avengers kang dynasty as one of like those big deaths that is just gonna shock people the same way gamora's death happened you know it's like that in, in infinity war i feel like that's what's gonna happen with this movie now, will her death actually stick, do you think, is the question? Because, you know, with everything being um, so circular with, with the MCU and time, will it actually, will it be a death that matters? Or will it be something that oh, just gets yeah. retconned, you know, later with some story reason? I don't think they could bring Janet back if they killed her. Like, because it's very, di- it's very difficult. I find it very difficult for them to kill Janet and then bring them back. You know, because if she Janet does not have these supernatural causes, like in the case of Gamora, she was brought back because of the timeline and because she was from another parallel Earth. That's acceptable. Uh, Heimdall died. He's alive in Valhalla. That's that works. Um, the people that died in Infinity War due to the snap were brought back. I don't really see Janet Van Dyne being brought back. No, I, I really don't think that she would be brought back if she's killed in Avengers, the Kang dynasty, which to me right now seems like an extremely high possibility that they're going to kill Janet in, in Avengers five. Let's go back to the root cause of that a little bit, because you mentioned, you mentioned that the Kang variants were angry at Scott. They're angry at Janet and, and hope. Um, so but they're the ones who presumably, you know, banished or um, banished that version of Kang to the quantum yeah, realm. Yeah. So let's talk uh-huh. about it. Why did they banish him? Um, what does him being dead, if he's really dead, uh, accomplish or thwart, you know, now that he's gone? Um, and let's just talk about that that situation. I, I wondered the same thing, too. I'm like, clearly it. It, that's a very monumental event to happen if you have to call every single <laughs> Kang forth, you know, every variant to have a conversation because like the reaction there in that post credit scene where they're like, which, how, how many did you call? And he's like, all of them. There's like a slight moment where you can see like a little reaction where the guy's like, wait, hold up. Ooh, this is kind <laughs> of huge. Um, is he dead? 
knowing how things go in this universe? No. Where is he? I think that's the more interesting question that we should be asking ourselves. Where did he land up when he went through that probability drive? Because from what I understand, sorry, it was a multiversal engine core, but <laughs> what was powering it was what a probability field storm, probability mm -hmm. storm. So that means that catalyst could have triggered and made a grand probability of different occurring outcomes. And I would be interested in seeing them kind of layer over one another and see where that goes. You are right. You are right in a lot of the things that you said. So first and foremost, when, when Kang died, they, they mentioned that like there was this thing, there was a, there was a line that Rama Tut, spoilers, Rama Tut said, uh, well, at this point, me saying spoilers. <laughs> we warned everyone that. already. Yeah, we already warned everyone. But uh, Rama Tut, like he's saying like, are you sure he's dead? And then he and they, he goes, it must really eat you up that you weren't the one that killed him. <laughs> the thing is, they're, they're, the thing is, they're currently at a point where this has not happened to them before. See, originally, it's supposed to be Kang escaping the timeline. That's how it works. It was supposed to be him escaping and then all of the Kangs fighting each other because that's how we know history plays out with them. All of the Kang variants fight each other until he who remains comes, kills everyone and makes the sacred timeline. Why would they now be like, you know what? We're all going to work together to beat the Avengers because this wasn't supposed to happen. Kang wasn't supposed to be killed, which in this case, he wasn't killed. He was absorbed into the multiversal core engine and put into the quantum nexus. And I don't know about you. I'm not I don't really want to get too much into what his fate was, because that's not for me to talk about on this podcast necessarily. <laughs> All, all I'm going to say is, honestly, even though that, even though everyone knows him as Kang the Conqueror, Kang the Beyonder has a very good ring to it. I don't oh. know about you, but Kang the Beyonder has a really good ring to it. And I know that a lot of people are probably going to not like the idea of Kang being the Beyonder, but I could they see that literally said, yeah, no, no, the thing is, they literally set it up in the movie when he goes we are going to conquer eternity and that's literally how secret wars starts with the beyonder and the beyonders killing eternity and taking his power thus causing the incursions so him saying that by then going in and then going into like the quantum nexus i'm like you know what I can see the Kang the Beyonder title now for Sacred Wars. But I, I honestly think that's that's honestly what happened. I think Kang went into went into the multiversal engine core, ended up in the quantum nexus, which is essentially the probability storm. I would expect Kang to have much more control over his probabilities than than Scott or Hope mainly because he knows how to handle time. But given the effects of what happened, I don't know exactly what, what went on with Kang. Though, though I will say, you did, you did see the signature white light from the, from the explosion. Because if you, if you recall when, when the first multiversal engine exploded, like it was just Janet putting in the, like the the dials, like the 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 pin particles, 
and the thing expanded and it was completely red and it was all this massive explosion red explosion of 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 the of the orb but scott put in all of different pin particles together and no one knows what kind of effect that will have and when it exploded it literally had a white light that like the red the redness of the of the explosion was covered by a weird white aura that was in that was on screen and i saw it twice to kind of make sure that I'm like I wasn't seeing stuff, but it was that, and and not only that, there's a there's a blink and you'll miss it moment, a blink and you'll miss it moment when he hits his back, and you you guys probably saw it when he hits his back against the multiversal engine core the second time that like that uh, hope shoots him, and like he hits it and there's this after image of him in the full Kang outfit thing, like for, for a split second, you see it. And you're just like looking at this after image of, of Nathaniel as Kang in the background as he's hitting the, the orb. And that might just have been like a stylistic choice. It probably meant nothing. But to me, like the weird, the, the way they were setting it up, it, it seems to me as though they're just literally going to dare and cross this, where they're going to be like, oh, he, he went into the quantum realm <laughs> and, and like oh we we think he's dead but not really he just went somewhere else and at this point like we were talking about this earlier like in the multiverse thing they they confirmed by the way that the quantum realm is a place that exists outside of space time which mm-hmm. was something i did mention in the in 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 our podcast and i've mentioned it in my article before because we were in this sort of ambivalent space of we don't know where the quantum realm is, whether it exists in space time. Jeff Loveness said it was the basement of the of the of the universe. <laughs> we know that's a lie, literally just based on what uh, Janet said alone. That it was a place that exists outside of space time. So the where do you go beyond the quantum realm? Like at that point, where do you go? Because if that's the smallest point of, of space time. Where do you go from the quantum realm? Where do you go from like the quantum nexus? And we don't know that answer. You, it would go beyond the limits of our known universe. Hence, Kang the Beyonder, ladies and gentlemen. I just write the MCU movies myself. <laughs> I think this is a great moment to jump in um, actually about. So we had some audience questions and I think some of them kind of relate to this. So I know we're kind of running short on time. So I wanted to... Um, Hop in with that. So, you know, this is from Twitter and, you know, we had great, just so many questions, but we won't get to all of them. But um, so Ellsgoth wanted to know about, you know, the end credit scene and the mid credit scene and what that meant going forward um, with Loki and, and, and everything. <laughs> so Red, do you want to share your thoughts on that or? I'm looking at the question and it's literally asked towards Alex. To be uh, fair, <laughs> you can say a question I have for Alex. Well, it can be for everyone, right? Uh, yeah, it can be for everyone. Please go ahead. I don't, I don't, I feel like I've spoken too much. No, <laughs> I feel bad now. I'm, I'm, I'm audience, I'm learning as much as you are. I'm sitting here just like, uh huh. I never got there mentally myself. I was just more focused no, on all bad. the other things. No, no, no. Don't no. don't feel bad. Yeah. No, I'm just looking at. Well, really, I'm looking at Ben's question, and I'm already thinking about how I'm going to say to that. But... <laughs> I don't know if we'll get to it because he had a lot of questions, and they well, were lovely I, questions. 
I do want to say this one, though, because it's a good question. And it's besides Loki, when do you think the next Kang appearance could be? And I'm going to say mm -hmm. a different one that obviously Loki is a given one. But what about what if? I mean, literally, it's talking mm -hmm. about all the different possibilities that I could, that could happen through the multiverse. Like, why not? Like, what if also very slightly, because I know Alex will just stop me, but like kind of gave us a little tasting for what was Multiverse of Madness with Captain Carter and the other Strange. So why wouldn't we continue this little track of it? I, I do want to see other possibilities of Kings. As far as I know, there is no King to Conquer or any variant in What If Season 2, but well, I would like to see that explored. I think there was an interesting maybe tease for that at, at the end of the movie when you saw all of the, the Kang variants, right? There was one that looked like a zombie Kang. Um, and it was just really quick. And I only saw the movie once. And I know you like, I know other people have seen it more times. So I'm curious as to when more information about that will come out. But he kind of looked zombified. Um, I, I thought you were going to say he was animated. I was like, wait, no, I, no, no, I not, not animated. No, just for he, a split second. I was like, where? No, no, no. He looked like zombified. So I'm wondering if that could be something that maybe we see animated you know, in What If along with you. Like every other day of the week, I forget that Marvel Zombies is a thing and I will continue to do that through next week <laughs> and the next week and the next week. <laughs> yeah, going back to Ant-Man and I think we're just about at time. So um, actually, Red, I'm going to let you, do you want to pick the last question that we that we answer? Because I know you're looking at the audience questions and you're you're ready. So this is the very last one we'll answer because we're just about at time. I'm actually going to go back to the question from Alice Goth because it is a good question and it's, can we expand further on the significance of the multiverse saga in the King dynasty? Well, mm -hmm. I'll think of it this way and I'll put it simple and sweet. The Kings are already mobilizing. They're already talking to each other. And at this moment, none of our heroes even know of the, the existence of King. And based off how Ant-Man ends, I don't know how inspired Scott is to go and explain it because he had more than one momentary pause. We killed him, right? But did we? And then he continued on. And he had those doubts. So I'm really hoping that he does the intelligent thing and tells other people rather than letting things happen on its own. Um, so I think one of the major impacts to answer your question, Elsgoth, is that Kang will be ready. Our <laughs> heroes will not be ready at all. Yeah, and that's actually a great point. You know, none of the other Avengers right now in, in this this world know about Kang. But I think, you know, not just the pressure on Scott, I think that amps the pressure on on Cassie, on Janet, on Hope, on Hank, because they they all know how how gnarly this dude is. And, you know, they all have access to um to these these powers, even though it's suits and all of that. Let's just call them powers for for simplification in this conversation. So, you know, they have the ability to do something too. It's not just Ant-Man. And you know, you have to wonder, will Ant-Man or Kang is getting ready? Will the other guys, you know, get, get their own team together? Will Cassie find someone to help? And we know that Thor isn't ready since he already got his <laughs> ass kicked more than once. So <laughs> we got to figure out what's going on with these guys. They really, they really need a group chat is what they need. They need a yeah, group chat. They definitely do. And something that I did want to mention about Ant-Man, and it's another blink and you'll miss it moment is, uh, when when Janet is calling Hank and Scott and, and hoping everyone to like come to the tower, she zooms in on the multiversal timeline. And when she zooms in on Earth, just before, like if she, just before she zooms in on Earth and sees six one six, 
like the timeline on that exact spot where Earth is, there's four different branches coming out of Earth 616. It's a literal blink and you'll miss it moment, but I'm going to watch it again and probably I'll dissect it more when it's on Disney+. Plus. But there's four timelines branching out from, from Earth 616, which is the like bizarre to me because I'm thinking to myself, at what point did our universe branch into four different universes? And wow. I'm thinking to myself where there's Loki. Well, there's and, the Infinity Stones um, too, you know. Yeah, there's also the Infinity, but they were all brought back. The only the, that would that would be Loki. That would be Loki. Like Loki disappearing from that. That would be one of them. Probably the other one Spider-Man. would have to be. You know what? I know. I know exactly what the other one is. The Thanos snapping away 2014 because technically at that point we would have a universe where Thanos did not exist post 2014. Mm-hmm. So the Thanos of the Guardians never happened. And then uh, that's probably a what if episode, most likely. But um, the other two, I have no idea at, at what point. I'd like, say best guesses could be Spider-Man No Way Home or WandaVision and possibly WandaVision or Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is very likely. It's possible since we already have an incursion starting in 616. But I don't know about WandaVision, and I certainly don't know about Spider-Man, mainly because Spider-Man in and of itself opened an infinite amount of, of dimensions with, like, Kraven the Hunter and Venom and Scorpion and all these characters from all across the multiverse. Not only that, but, like, also the two timelines with Andrew and Toby. So it's a little bit confusing, and I'm trying to piece it together, but I, I would like an actual explanation from Marvel about like the four timelines from that from that from that scene and like for them to specify what those timelines were. But it's, yeah, apart from that, are there any other questions? Um, I think we're actually pretty close to time um, either way. So well, it's been it's been a bl- pleasure talking with you both about Ant-Man. Um, do you want to tell guys, uh, people where they can find you and how they can read more of your stuff? So I'm on Twitter, uh, Alex from CC, and I just mainly write on the Cosmic Circus. And I'm, uh, and I'm also on this podcast because they have me hostage <laughs> send help. But, uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, that, that's pretty much all I got. So that's, that's all from me. And I'm Anthony Flagg. You can find me at Rodova underscore on Twitter. And I'm Isla Ruby. You can find me at T-U-L-I-N writes at Twitter. And you can find all of us at thecosmiccircus.com. And make sure you give us a listen or we'll talk to you next time. That was very awkward. And I'm sure Lizzie's going to edit that. But yes. You're still recording. Woo! I know. I know. <laughs> These are the Peace outtakes. Ah, how do I stop recording? Sorry, guys. Oh, my gosh. (laughs)